Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. I'm Greg Fisher, the mayor of Louisville. Today, we're going to get an update on a really promising piece of work to reimagine public safety in our city, and we're calling that the deflection program. We're running a pilot on that right now. Unfortunately, what we've seen is a rise over generations with people expecting when they call a police officer that that police officer can take care of everything, whether it's homelessness issues, mental health issues, domestic violence issues. It's unfair to our police officers. We're asking them and expecting way too much from them. So, and it's not smart either. So meanwhile, our society has just not done a great job of helping people with mental health issues. And there also still is some stigma around mental health that we're working hard to eliminate. So what happens far too often is that people with mental health issues end up in a criminal justice system that just isn't designed for them or designed to help them. And no one is better off for that. So our work in reimagining public safety is to create the hard change that's clearly needed to address the systemic shortcomings that have just manifested themselves over these past several years and several decades. Our deflection pilot is an important piece of that reimagining public safety work as well as our whole of government approach to public safety. Today, I'm joined by Jody Myman. Uh, Jody is our Executive Director of Emergency Services. He's been a central figure in getting the deflection pilot up and running. Welcome, Jody. Thank you, sir, for having me. And before I start, I want to give a shout out to uh, Director Myman and his entire team for their response to the tragedy in Western Kentucky. Uh, they mobilized at 3.30 in the morning to go down there before first light and get to work on the rescue and recovery mission at the candle factory. So you guys did an amazing job. We're proud and grateful for you all and anything we can continue to do to help the people of Western Kentucky. I know we're going to do it and you're certainly going to do that yes, as well. So Jody, I know a part of uh, your agency includes our hardworking 911 team. In the course of a day, how many calls are related to mental health issues and how are those traditionally handled? So if you think about it, we take in, uh, in 2020, we took in just, uh, just a little bit less than 1.5 million calls in our 911 center, and 800,000 of those were emergency calls. On average, um, on an average day, we take in about 55 um, calls that re re uh, require the police's crisis response team uh, to go and help out. So um, when a 911 call comes in, um, the, the 911 call taker asks a series of questions, and then as it qualifies, um, for that CIT response, it's sent over to, to the police department now for a response um, from whoever's in that division. Sometimes it may be a CIT, uh, or all of M LMPD is CIT trained now, but it may be also a specialist. And CIT on, is? is crisis intervention okay. team, I'm sorry. Uh, crisis intervention team. So they will respond and, uh, and handle the, the, uh, the call appropriately. Um, you know, the issue is, and something we want to transition from, is diverting that to the behavioral health specialist um, and partnering with seven county services where it may either dictate a non-police response, a co-police co response, or a police response, um, you know, without the behavioral health as well. So that's kind of the deflection idea, right? Yes, so we're deflecting the call away from a police response to right. one of the three uh, responses that you just indicated. Yes, it's, it's twofold. It's a 911 deflection piece and that's what we're tasked with and then again partnering with seven county services um, they're the ones that when we uh, so the call will be sent eventually to a behavioral health hub in the 911 center where um, members of seven county services will be there that call will be uh, further triaged 
And then if it dictates a response from seven county services response team, mobile crisis response team that's out in the field, they will go and, and handle the, uh, the call appropriately, again, with or without a police officer. Okay, and remind us who Seven County Services is and why their participation is so So they are, uh, they are a large group here in, um, in the area that manage behavioral health services, um, and we partner with them anyway. There's, there's a, a crisis that we send to them through the 911 system. Um, we notify them on certain responses as well, um, and they can handle uh, they know what to do with with the behavioral health issue. They can either um, you know prescribe medication. They can send them to uh, what's called a respite center where they can be taken care of, or they can get them further help. The person potentially could already be in their system, so they may be able to to tag them up with somebody that they may have already been um, you know been consulted with before. So all the while while this is going on, if it's just uh, their response only our police are able to go on and just continue to do the work they're best trained to do. Right, and it, it doesn't tie them up for something, you know, some other type of um, more emergent type of call that they may need to go on. But some of the criticism that you get from people is, well, you can't predict when you need the police, so they need to always be there. How, how do you evaluate that? So there's, there's a certain type of questions that the call taker will ask, and is it, are you going to harm yourself? Is, do you have a weapon with you? Do you, ha or do you have access to a weapon? Uh, do, you hurt, do you plan on hurting somebody else? So if that person answers yes to any of those questions, then it's gonna dictate a co-response with the police department. So walk us through just kind of a few scenarios that would typically come into the non-law. Um, so if somebody, uh, somebody calls in and say they're um, potentially going to, uh, uh, to perform suicide, um, you know, the call taker will ask, um, you know, maybe it's through medication um, where it's not associated with any type of weapon. That will be sent over to the behavioral health specialist. Again, they'll, they'll further uh, triage that call. Um, they can send that mobile crisis response team out um, to that person's house or if they're in the street, wherever they're at, and, uh, and get them the help they need um, very quickly. Okay, and so you mentioned CIT, that uh, LMPD has been trained on that crisis intervention team. So how does the deflection approach differ than the CIT approach? It's different than a CIT approach because um, you're not going to get that CIT officer. You may, depending on the type of questions that they ask for, where now you're only going to get that CIT officer, uh, trained officer to come. Um, again, it could, it could alleviate them from responding to things that they may not. Uh, we've looked at other cities and um, for the most part, you know, there's, they're able to deflect about 60% of their calls. Um, some of them are, are able to deflect 60% of their calls uh, without a police response, which is huge, you know, if you think about the numbers. Um, citywide, um, like I said, we're averaging about 55 a day. So, I mean, that's a lot of calls, you know, over a year's time period that we can deflect away from the police, you know, even if it's 60% or more. So we're piloting this in the LMPD's fourth uh, division. So we're talking about the southern part of downtown and old Louisville. And Sergeant Pam Oberhausen has been very active in that space for a long period of time. She's very involved in uh, the pilot deflection model. So let's hear from her. Along with being 4th Division Patrol Sergeant, I'm also the CIT coordinator for the police department. So uh, that's the whole reason of me being on the, the deflection committee in the first place was because I'm the CIT coordinator. And they were talking about doing this with CIT runs, obviously, you know, as kind of the tests run. Um, so that makes sense. And the 4th Division has more CIT runs uh, than any other division. This is where all police departments are going. I think they're all going towards a more, uh, let's get the mental health services more connected and integrated with the police, which 
again, other police departments have great relationships, I'm sure, with their mental health providers such as we do. But let's get us more of a team, more as working side by side, you know, not in the same car, but side by side. Let's get us working more on trying to help people. Uh, and that's ultimately what we're trying to do is just help people. I think it'll benefit. And then, again, that frees me up to go to the more violent offense. If I have them responding to this run um, and can handle it, then that's great. That, that puts more officers on the street, ultimately, in one way or another. So, Jody, now, how can the deflection model, though, help LMPD when a call comes in that's, you know, clearly a crisis that LMPD has to re respond to? So, um two ways. One, um, the police could go to a call that doesn't necessarily um, lead them, them to believe it's going to be a crisis type of call, and they'll be able to call back to the 911 center and request that mobile crisis response team. So they can call back if they get there, identify that it's somebody in need of seven county services, and they'll be able to call back and we'll be able to get them to respond that way. Or if they respond, they, the 911 call comes in, maybe it's somebody that is having some type of violent um, uh, actions, um, they can get there, they can calm the scene down and then call that mobile crisis response team once it gets under control and turn it over to them or work with them closely to make sure that they still get the, the things that they need, but they're keeping them out of jail, they're keeping them out of hospitals, they're getting them in the hands of the people that can really, uh, really help them out. And that's really the main thing, right? We, we want to have as few people being involved with our criminal justice system as possible. Right. So anytime we can keep somebody out, we want to do that. So talk a little bit about how the plan came together. I know we've been studying this for quite some time. Right. Uh, you obviously have spent a lot of time on this. Uh, talk about that and any kind of community input that we've received. Well, your office tasked us, um, you know, being the, the holder of the 911 system um, for it to be in our shop. Uh, we really started to look at other cities, um, best practices through other cities. Um, we got in touch with several of them. I actually got to visit um, one big city that is, uh, is really very, being very successful with their program. Um, and they have, uh, their program is, is almost just like the way we want to move by having an outside agency such as Seven Counties um, take care of that side of the, of the response. And then, you know, we, there was a group from U of L and, se and uh, Seven County Services and Spalding um, that put a recommendation together for us. Um, that was where the 4th Division came from. They recommended them. There's about 11 responses a day on average in the 4th Division. Um, it's got the most, uh, the most CIT responses out of all the divisions, so obviously we wanted to start there first. Um, so, and then we you know, wanted to move the plan forward, start a pilot program for about six months, and then uh, have it evaluated and go on from there. Why don't you talk a little bit about the city you visited and what your key takeaways were from that? Uh, I got to visit Austin, the city of Austin twice. Uh, went down, did a preliminary visit. Um, they were welcoming with open arms. I can't tell you how, you know, how good they were to us um, both times that we visited. The second time they had a two full day schedule uh, put together for us where we got to visit the 911 center as well as um, go to their the community health um, uh, company that their seven counties is the way I, I like to put it. Uh, we got to, I, I took a technology person down because we have to make sure the technology is, is precise in getting that 911 call to the behavioral health specialist and then tag those, those questions that they need to ask into that system as well. Um, so that if, you know, may, they may get a question that um, indicates that it needs to go back to the police. So all that technology has to, has to be there. So we were able to talk to their technology folks 
and, and uh, you know, see which way we need to go with that. Um, you know, they're, they're a system that is just like ours as far as the numbers and things like that. They started off small, just like we did. Um, there's a few things that we're looking to do in our system um, that they are anxious to see how, how it works as far as communications and things like that. So we're going to let them know how that works because they may want to integrate that in their plan. So, um, and and the, the young lady that runs their program um, had also talked about doing a, um, a quarterly work group for people that had a system in place or people that were getting systems in place so that we could all talk and share best practices. So there's a lot going on in the country with this subject. Yeah, for our listeners, we're constantly benchmarking other cities, what's working, what's not working, so that we visit them, they visit us, so that we can all get better together. And these kind of learning cohorts are really invaluable. Yes. So we mentioned uh, Sergeant Oberhausen, the 4th Division. How are we going to measure success here? So we're going to get, um, we're going to partner with UofL to come in and evaluate the process. We're going to look at, uh, at run volume. We're going to look at call times. We're going to look at the number of people that we're keeping out of uh, hospitals, the number of people we're keeping out of jail, where we're diverting them, uh, you know, from potentially going there to other locations or to getting, you know, getting the help they need. Um, so we're going to take about six months to evaluate those things. All right. All right. So let's say we've got good results. What's next? Well, there'll be a big ask from you. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll come and, and uh, ask and try to move um, the program into other divisions, um, you know, depending on cost, depending on resources. Uh, you know, it would be nice to get this countywide and citywide, um, you know, over the course of the next couple of years, and it would be a successful program. So this is all part of making sure that we're funding our public safety in the most effective way possible. Yes, sir. People oftentimes, when they think of public safety, they think about more police officers. Uh, we need good constitutional policing, but we also need robustly funded other activities, and we're hoping this deflection pilot is going to expand and be one of those. Right. Like I mentioned, uh, the city of Austin, you know, 60 percent they're deflecting, 20 percent is usually a co-response, co and then there's just 20 percent that want the police to respond. So, you know, if we get the people the help that they need, they're staying out of jail, they're staying out of the hospital, the police are able to respond on more severe emergent type of runs, it's a win-win for everybody. Well, Director Jody Myman. Thank you for speaking with us. Thank you for having this. me. You're a busy guy with all kinds of different responsibilities, so we appreciate your nimbleness and dexterity. All right, so folks, uh, we backed our pledge to reimagine public safety by quadrupling our investment in violence prevention and capacity building programs, including this one, outside of the traditional law enforcement is what we're talking here. So deflection is a big part of this. We're very hopeful, and we'll report back to the community on how it's going. So thanks to everybody who's turned into this episode and look forward to talking to you next time.